0: Chagigah chafbeza mud'alif, decision-making. kol In this Matmon Shir, there are three different issues that we're going to be looking at that all overlap in understanding the piece of Gomorrah. The one is accommodating people who are not observant, uh, particularly in the area of ne'emanut, which means trusting people, even in situations where they're not observant of halacha. Second is the difference between Religious non-observance and ethical non-observance. And the third is a very important idea in the way we make decisions. Looking at the Gemara itself, we've established that there are two reasons why you can't table one klee, one utensil, in another, inside another. You can't put one utensil in another, as we discussed yesterday, and dip them both in the mikveh. When it comes to matters of Kodesh, food that is re- related to use on the Mizbeach, in the Beta HaMikdash itself. But if it's just for Teruma purposes or for day-to-day use, then you can do so. The reason that one cannot do so in the case of Kodesh uh, is given, there are two different reasons. One is by Rav Ila, and one is by Rav. Rav Ila talks about, because of the Kvedosh shel the inside utensil might be heavy, and therefore might interrupt the flow of water between itself and the edge of the larger utensil. And Rava says it's a gezerah, it's a legislation, that regulations that the chazal made, um, so that people wouldn't come to table to dip in the mikveh, small vessels in a large one whose opening is too small to allow proper flow of water into it. It's important that there's free flow of water into the big vessel so that the little vessels are completely immersed in the mikveh water, even though they're inside the bigger utensil. In either case, the Gomorrah asks, why the difference between Truma and Kodesh? Uh, if we're worried about the weight of the small utensil and therefore it won't work for Kodesh, why not for Truma as well? If we're worried about maybe a person will come and use a vessel that has too small uh, a neck, and, and therefore restrict the flow of water into the large kli, why not the same with truma? The Gomorrah says, because we're dealing here with haverim, with tamidich hachamim, the people who will come to ask these issues and learn these laws are, the, are tamidich hachamim themselves, and they know the boundaries. They know when it does apply, when it doesn't, what they can do and what they can't. The Gemara goes on then to say, well, then... Uh, for Kodesh also, we should rely on the discretion of the Tamid Chacham to know exactly what he can do. We shouldn't have to legislate a general law that covers everybody. Ngomor answers, we are worried that an Amharat, an ignorant person who doesn't know the law, might watch the Tamid Chacham while he's tabling for the purposes of Kodesh. And copy him with copy him without knowing the details of what can and can't be done, and that way the amharitz, the the person who is not learned, might come to table the utensils incorrectly. The content in the in those vessels which are supposed to be kodesh could become Tameh, and then he brings it to the beit hamikdash. That wouldn't be a good thing. So the gemara says the same should apply for truma. No, we say we don't accept a, a kohen as a Talmud chacham. Doesn't accept truma from an amharitz from a person who's ignorant for these very reasons. Uh, and we're not worried that we'll offend the, the Amharets because he's free to give his truma to one of his friends who's also an Amharitz. Um So we, we're not worried. He has the other alternatives. However, when it comes to Kodshim, if the Beit HaMikdash does not accept uh, food that he brings, items that he brings to the Beit HaMikdash for the purposes of Kodesh, what we're afraid of is that we're afraid that he will feel rejected by the orthodox system, by the system of law in the Beit HaMikdash, and that will encourage him to go and start a reform movement, to start a different religion, different religious practices, uh, or a conservative movement where the halachot are not stringent, where the halachot are adulterated and in some cases distorted. So, to avoid that, we want him to feel included in the one Beta Mikdash, which is there to serve all Jewish people. And so we'll accept we'll uh, accept his um, uh, what he tells us about how he tabled the the Kalim. Um, it's interesting here, the this area of accommodation, in other words, normally we wouldn't trust an Amharit. We wouldn't trust a an ignorant person who by choice, is not keeping the Torah. We wouldn't trust him to, make statements that will affect our observance. If a person does not keep kashrut, by choice, he doesn't believe in kashrut, he cannot be a mashgiach in a restaurant or in a factory that produces food. We're not going to believe him about the kashrut of the food if he has rejected kashrut altogether. So normally, we're very specific about trust in the area of halakha. We trust people who themselves are committed to the observance of halakha. But here, in the case of Ne'emanut, in the case of believing, um, where it it doesn't affect anything other than the extent to which we believe him, just as an individual can make his or her own decisions about their radius of trust. Who do I trust? How far from my own circle am I willing to trust other people? Do I trust people who share the same values? Do I trust people who are of the same ethnicity? Do I trust people who live in the same community? What What is the radius of trust? So Chazal too can increase their radius of trust to accommodate somebody who is moral, ethical, has integrity, but doesn't observe the halakha. That principle is described very clearly by the Rif in Masechet Psachim. I've quoted the Rif in the, in the sources, where, where the Rif says, uh, this accommodation is specifically with those Amaratzim, people who are ignorant of, of Torah, they're ignorant of the laws, they're ignorant of observance, but they're honest people, people of great integrity. And we know many, many people today who fit into that category. For those people, we can expand the radius of trust. Um, but that doesn't mean that we would compromise any other area of halakha just to be inclusive. So if there are, are questions of accommodating people uh, in our shuls, in our services, And having to make adulteration of halachic observance in the shul in order to attract people, to make them feel inclusive, that is not suggested at all in this piece of Gemara. We're only talking about ne'emanut, the degree to which we choose to trust a person who's not observant but is honest. But if we are going to start making accommodation and, and diluting halakha in order to make it more Palpable to people who are not involved in halacha, then what we are attracting them to is no longer Torah. Is no longer Torah itself. We will have diluted the Torah in order to make it palpable, thus attracting people to this diluted form of Torah. But it's not Torah anymore. So we have to be very careful in matters of halacha. That we do not make accommodations. Yes, if there's a stringent view and a lighter view, we'll we'll take the lighter view to accommodate people. But never will we compromise on a principle of halakha in order to make the service more palpable. If they but particular people don't want there to be a mechitza between men and women, there's nothing we can do about that. That's halacha, and we're going to and we're going to keep that in place. If somebody wants to shorten the service or to make uh, create Torah shorter, or to remove parts from the from the davening, we're not going to do those things. We're not going to make any changes in the core of halakha to accommodate inclusiveness. Um, but when it comes to a matter of, do I trust this particular individual, although he's not a shomer mitzvot, he or she is not somebody who keeps a mitzvot, if it's an honest person, there I will increase the radius of trust to include all these people who are honest and integrous, um, and, and to make them feel included. On this whole issue of uh, attracting people and, and what that really means, there's a very famous, well-known Chazon Ish in Yorodea, Simon Bet, uh, which I've also, which I've also um, brought uh, in, this, in the sources, where the Chazon Ish makes it very clear that people today, in a world where the presence of Hashem is not obvious, are not Roshayim, they're not wicked people even if they are chilonim, they are secular people who don't keep anything, that doesn't make them wicked. That doesn't make them people that one can be in any way that one can in any way discriminate against, particularly if they're honest and people of integrity and people of values. On the contrary, says the, the chazanish, the way we bring them in, the way we make them feel included is not, as we said earlier, by adulterating and diluting the halacha, uh, but it's by being mekarev them with with love. The, the words that the Chazanish uses is, a, is amazing. We should bring them back into a feeling of being included in Torah with ropes of love. And to bring them into a, a, a ray of light as far as we possibly can. So it's not necessary to make accommodation. Rather, to reach out to people in in love uh, and caring and make them feel part of us in that way, part of something which is genuine and authentic and original and not something which has been distorted over time. But this brings us to the third point that is really interesting, and that is how far Chazal go. If you learn this Gomorrah well, and, and I've brought also different opinions, the view of the Rosh in Psachim, which is different from the Rif. Uh, the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch, who all talk about the fact that we, like the Riff, we differentiate between a, an Amharitz who is just ritualistically an Amharitz, but a person of high va- values and morality and ethics and integrity, and one who is not a moral person at all and is not an honest person at all. Those are two different levels of of, of Amharitz. Um, so if one goes through all of that, one sees how careful the chazal are in thinking out the consequences of everything they legislate. There are consequences, and, and here we come into an idea that, uh, that Ray Dalio develops, which is so terribly important. Um, Ray Dalio is the, the the CEO, the founder of Bridgewater, which was at one stage was the biggest um Uh, hedge fund in the world. He's an, an investor. But he's now an important business thinker. He wrote a book called Principles and a number of others. And one of the things that he talks about is don't overweight first order consequences relative to second and third order ones. So for example, first order consequences of a good thing are often uncomfortable. If you're studying for an exam, that's an uncomfortable thing to do. If you're doing exercise or you're going on diet, those are uncomfortable things to do. The second order of consequences might also be uncomfortable. You're going to miss out on an arrangement with friends. Uh, You're not going to be able to do other things that you might have wanted to have done during that period of time. Uh, If you're on on, on diet, you might not be able to eat something or participate in a banquet that you wanted to participate in. But the third degree, uh, the third order of consequence is accomplishment. The third order of, of consequence is that if I've studied for this exam, I will qualify. If I've done the exercise, I will improve my health and well-being. Uh, if I've gone on diet again, I will improve my, my, health, uh, my health and well-being. So always when we're thinking, it's so important to think not only what are the consequences of this decision, but let me focus on second order consequences, third order consequences, and maybe go further to understand the full impact of the choice that I'm making. And this is why it's people with skin in the game, to use Nassim Taleb's idea, that are the ones who need to make decisions. If you don't have skin in the game, if there's no uh, implication to your decision, then you're not going to think it through to third degree and to fourth degree sometimes, order of, of consequence. When I was learning Hilchot Chita with Rameo Bransdorfer, who was the great authority at that time, particularly in the area of... of uh, of, of slaughtering fowls, chickens. And I was uh, studying with a, a shokhet that he sent me to. And this was had a knife and he gave me the knife to check and asked me whether I could find anything wrong with the knife. I said, absolutely not. The knife is perfect. He said, try again. I tried again. And I couldn't find the ro- The knife seemed to be perfect. And he said to me, look, uh, I see you're not very expert at this. I'm going to tell you the knife is not perfect. The the life is pasul, the knife may not be used for shkita. Can you now tell me where the pegima is, where the the flaw in the knife is? Where's the chip in the knife? And I tested the knife again, and I still couldn't find it. So then he said to me, okay, and he took me outside into the street. This was in Mea Shaarim. He said, you see all these religious Orthodox Jews walking around, these B'nai walking around the streets. They are my customers. They are the people who eat my chickens. You are a rov. You've already got your smicha. I'm going to give you the knife. Check the knife. If you hand the knife back to me, I'm going to shecht on your instruction. And these people are going to eat the chickens that I shecht. Now check it again. And then when I checked it, the flaw became obvious. The knife wasn't in order. The knife had been damaged. Why couldn't I see it beforehand? Because it wasn't my responsibility. And he then said to me, this shochet, never pascha, never make a halachic decision if you don't have skin in the game, if you're not responsible for the consequences. Don't pass an opinion if, you, if you're not responsible for the consequences. Everybody is very quick to pass opinions, but they don't have achrayut. they don't have responsibility. And without responsibility, you don't think of second order, third order, fourth order of of implications. And that's why decision-making is so Complex and deep, and needs to be taken with so much COVID rush, with so much serious of in- seriousness of intent and full understanding of responsibilities. Only make decisions when you have responsibility, and then think it through to third and fourth degree order at least. If you're asked for an opinion in a situation where you don't have responsibility, simply back out. There's no value to an opinion from somebody who doesn't have skin in the game, for somebody who doesn't have the responsibility of the outcomes of the very opinions he or she is expressing.